Everybody ready? Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Everyone, welcome to Twin Shadows Podcast, the podcast about film, filmmaking, and filmmakers. And today, we have a very special guest with us. We have Jake Borowski with us. Jake, want to introduce yourself real quick? Just say hi. Hello. See, just like that. Yep. And that's the end of the welcome. show, everybody. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> we like easy around here. So, Jake, what? Uh, we like to start things off with... Uh, the last films that we've watched or so what are the last movies that you uh, remember watching um the other day what did i watch i guess the last real movie was oppenheimer oh okay but the last shutter movie was maybe um tenebre oh tenebre uh, argento yeah yeah, that one's really good. I was curious because I'd hear the soundtrack pop on on Spotify. And so I just, I saw it and thought I'd give it a whirl. And yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. This was on Shutter. Yeah. Yeah, I have a, my mentor, as I always call him, he's been watching a lot of Tubi. And he said there's like a lot of old classic films on Tubi. Mm, Tubi like a lot of the uh, Italian horror films, I guess from the 70s and earlier. And then just like a bunch of, hard to find like 50s 40s 30s horror films that he said are like pretty good and you can see like a lot of the earlier films he's naming all of these actors like, i don't know who the fuck that mm-hmm. is but you know if i had any education so i heard he, yeah he, he was he was like in the 2b cool so uh argento go back to argento are you an argento fan or not you seen like a lot of his properly movies? just it kind of it's in on the it's been on he's been on the periphery and i just haven't really dove in much yeah. So it was an opportunity to do that, I guess. So, Stephen, what about you? What was the last uh, movie you watched? Last movie I watched? Uh, oh, Stand By Me. I just decided it was on Netflix. Wanted to watch something, so I put Stand, Stand By Me. And that, I like that movie a lot. It's really good. And then after that, uh, Arrival. Yeah, Stand By Me, then Arrival, huh? Hey, it was all on Netflix. It's uh, quite the... Uh, the show there <laughs> what about you uh, i watched a uh, haunted mansion the new disney movie i have kids so i don't have a choice so well, i guess like i did it. it was okay yeah it was okay uh it was kind of a, a lot of it, it suffers what a lot of movies i think lately suffer from is like they're like bloated messes mm. it's like uh the runtime isn't used very well and there's like a uh I feel like they're trying to just cram a bunch of stuff in. So they didn't really get to utilize the ghosts because they're just like focusing on the human characters. And I think oh, the, okay. the ghosts are kind of a cool story for Haunted Mansion. Um, they only really explore the stories of two ghosts or three ghosts. Hmm. There's supposed to be like 999 of them, right? It's like left a few out. <laughs> Do you feel like it was too short or too long? Uh, it was too long. Hmm. Um, and, and if if they should have, and it was like a lot of, the focus was like kind of all over the place. Um, but the acting was good. Lakeith um, Stanford, is that his name? Uh, Lakeith, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. But yeah. He's from the desert. Yeah. I think he went to Victor. He did. Yeah. I think uh, my brother went to school with him. Yeah. Uh, you're, Didn't I, you go to school with his brother? Yeah. So what, why don't what, you know Lakeith? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't in ROTC. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what year did your brother graduate? Uh, Alex um, was... Oh, seven. Something like that. Okay. 07, 08. Yeah, I remember going to school with him. The desert's so small. 
It's a little too small. Mm-hmm. What year did you graduate then? 2002. Okay. I was 03. Okay. Yeah. So the two generations, you know, yeah. the olds and the young. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> the old and the new. Yeah. Haunted Mansion was okay. I, w- I probably won't watch it again. I think it was better than the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion that they did. You saw that too? I've seen that. Yeah. Dang, I watched man. it in theaters when it came out. I really? love the Haunted Mansion ride. It's my favorite ride at Disneyland. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you might want to watch a movie of it, you know? Uh, you know, I'll watch anything. Yeah, that's fair. That's I've fair. seen Blood Diner. <laughs> Blood Diner? Yeah, Blood I'm, Diner. I'm going to add that to my list. Blood Diner? Yeah, do you guys use Q? No. App? Cube? My friend Lizette told me about it the other day, and I started adding movies to it. What is, what is it? Yeah, like a, give us like a, a little rundown. <clears throat> you, um, you know, someone's like, hey, check out this movie. And you look for it, and they have, it's like they have, it, they pull data from uh, oh, okay. multiple sources. Yeah. And then they'll, it'll show you all the platforms that it's on. Oh, oh nice. that's really so awesome. Pri- I remember we talked about uh, trying we to. We just still, I mean, what? <laughs> 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 Tubi. <laughs> no, man, the, the best place to get movies is the Victorville Swap Meet. Really? Oh. Yeah. It was last time I, I was there, it was, um, Two DVDs for four bucks and two Blu-rays for like eight bucks, I think. Okay. But what movies? Just the bins, plastic bins full of films (laughs) and you dig through them and some of them are packaged and some aren't. Is Tenebra uh, one of the DVDs? No, that was Shudder. (laughs) No, I know, but I'm just... (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I haven't been there in a minute. They got their Italian gallows. Gallows. It's probably there. They usually got a nice variety and they run, you know, some of them are hit. They're hit and miss, but... I'd say a 5% failure rate. So you like having that physical connection with your films instead of just having it all digital? I think it's cool because they're not, they always, the um, licensing agreements lapse and expire and change and, you know, stuff changes. And I think people are catching on to that. Yeah. And it's nice, you know, I just, I've always wanted to, liked having a tangible version of something that I'm going to watch more than a couple times. Well, so you have like a little library or a big mm-hmm. library. Yeah. Do you pull it's, from it and watch all the time? Occasionally. Occasionally. Because I have mine. I never watch any more mm-hmm. movies on it. Like, I'll be like, what am I going to watch? I don't have anything to see. There's all the little DVDs behind me. Yeah. I have bins and bins of DVDs. I should probably just go to the swap meet. Two for $4. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I remember when uh, when all the video stores were going down, I would just I was just buying like five. It was like five for ten dollars or something. Yeah, I think when the Best Buy went down, I grabbed a bunch of uh, CDs and and DVDs, especially like the music ones because those were always so expensive. Mm-hmm. So if they're on sale, you could get them super cheap, you know. Yeah, when my, my big score, I remember uh, Hollywood Video when Hollywood Video was closing down, I bought a bunch of DVDs and in one of the discs it was. Metal Gear Solid 3. Oh, no oh, shit. Sick. Yeah. Wait, isn't that multiple discs? It's one disc. Uh, nice. The PS2 one. Yeah. And I was like, well, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snake Eater, baby, for yeah, free. that actually is. Really or, cool. Not for free. I think the movie was like uh, uh, Road of, to Sahara or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or whatever that movie was. You guys remember that movie? Mm-mm. Is um, that with Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Hollywood yeah. Video had a good selection. Yeah, they did. You know, they were a, they were a decent chain. Yeah. Um, they kind of killed uh, our local stores. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Village Video. 
Yeah. Village Video had some good. Oh, you went to Village places. Video. That was when we were kids. That was where we'd stop off. Yeah, that's where we went a lot because we also lived right there. So it was like less than two miles, I think. Mm. And then the Blockbuster was right there too. But yeah. that was a little too expensive. So really, Video Blockbuster Village. Blockbuster was expensive. It was yeah. like, well, Grandma, did we get our taxes back? <laughs> Let's go get some videos. Just look longingly as you pass it. Go I to want Video Mission Village. Impossible. Um, but yeah, oh, video stars, I miss them. Yeah, uh, Jake, I wanted to ask you because uh, Stephen got me a 16 millimeter print of of uh, Child's Play. Oh, cool. But I don't have a, a projector and I have no <laughs> idea how to use it. <laughs> and I know you're kind of probably the guy to come to. Like, do you have a 16 millimeter projector? I don't. I'd like to get one. There's a few prints. I ordered, they're on, e- I try to like look on eBay for some things, but yeah. that's that's solid, man. You should get a projector, find one. Yeah. You know, there's they're they're out there. People I just don't even know. I'm like, what do you? I don't even know what to buy. A big flashlight and just run it through like a fucking. <laughs> no, you can, you can find a 16 millimeter projector. Yeah, because also because uh, going through eBay, I was gonna get. That's where I got his gift through, and the one gift I wanted to get him, but I forgot what happened. I think people just started last minute bidding like they do, but they had Superman going for like 350. Whoa, like a print? A 16 yeah, print? Uh, Superman. Yeah. So That's I was like, "Oh cool, shit, man. I'm gonna get that for him." But it went to three fifty, then last minute bid, and then it shot up to like five hundred. And I was like, "Well, you know, Tom's cool and all, but <laughs> <laughs> it's something different." Have you gone to the New Beverly or the Beverly now? Uh, yeah, that it's just talking about yeah. around for a minute. Yeah, I just went uh, last month for a triple feature. That was his first time. Yeah, my first Sweet. time going. It's I, it's it is like mecca for film nerds. Even just seeing the print bounce off a screen and back into your eyes is such a huge like thing that I think we've been missing. Yeah. So why do you what do you think the difference is that digital lacks? Um fields versus, you know, mechanical f- frames, I think. It's I think 24 frames per second projected through I mean, I think film mimics the way we see a lot mm-hmm. more than digital sensors and displays yeah you have like a flat array of pixels that are like reacting to light yeah in one hand and then with film you have you know millions of little pieces of silver yeah reacting to light and it just it's different it's different i I mean you know you guys understand i mean i think you understand that and when i go there now it's so you know you go to a theater and watch a digital movie projected onto a screen and back at you or like on a giant LED, you know, array just firing straight into, you know, with no projector and it's, it's not the same. No, it isn't. And film also has a lot of imperfections and those Mm -hmm. imperfections do add layer to the the actual image, right? The scratches and spots and, you know, a little bit of dust in the air. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of comes through. I remember we uh, one of the movies that we watched was Evil Dead Two at New Beverly, and I'd never seen it like that. I've seen that movie a hundred times probably, and I'd never seen that movie like that. Really, like and, like just with all the little the, blemishes on there. And the print was the print was really nice, um, and the sound the sound is different too. Like the the sound that comes through, I feel like it's a little different. Um, but yeah, I loved it. I was. It really is like, well, yeah, because the sounds encoded into the film strip, right? Mm-hmm. For that, 
You so know, when it's grouchy, you know, overuse, you know, yeah. it'll degrade with the picture and get yeah. those little like pops and scratches. Yeah, well, I've noticed like the, the sound is more flat for those older films. You know, it's just a more flat sound. I think some I, of them are mono. Okay, maybe that's probably. why it's coming out that way. Yeah. Because I saw Indiana Jones there. And yeah, the sound just found a little more flat. But I was going to mention one of the cool things too, like you were talking about film and its physical properties. A scientist just figured out a way to extract sound from photos. What? Yeah. Like so, from negatives? Like yeah, like I guess from the negatives? photo, they're able to shoot it with the laser and it extracts a sound that was <laughs> happening during that. Wow. I don't know how much it is, you know, how much sound it can really Jesus. extract. Does it just sound like a... I didn't I didn't hear it. Like a um, frame? But they were saying, depending on the length of the exposure, it captures more sound over that time. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's like, what the fuck? Not only is silver capturing the light, but it's actually <laughs> somehow capturing sound. I still don't even understand like the technology behind a lot of that. Like how in the hell does like you know like uh, records? How the mm -hmm. fuck does that work? Does anyone know? <laughs> like <laughs> no. you know, like a needle like goes through like a yeah. like it, well, like, it's kind of I've imagined it. It's isn't it kind of like a Richter scale kind of where you know the audio goes through a wire to a needle or laser yeah. or something and it just kind of like scratches into the record or yeah. into the vinyl. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And I'm just that's just magic to me. Like I I'm too dumb to get it. Like, well, as far as I know, they still don't understand how silver necessarily reacts the way it does to produce an image. Because I think that's one of the only chemicals that are that light sensitive. Because there's really not a lot of light sensitive solutions you can apply to a plate to get an image. Mm -hmm. So I, well, that's what my instructor told me. He said they're still, they still don't really understand the, had the science to how that happens. Like why it does it? Yeah. Exactly. Like why it reacts the way it does and mm. produces this. So. Shit. The magic of real. <laughs> well, to get back into magic. So, so Jake, what, uh, what got you started in your filmmaking, uh, like your life, your journey? Where did it begin? What, what was little Jake doing <laughs> with movies? Probably like had a, you know, we had a, we had video cameras. We were kids, so it was. We didn't have any. I mean, I grew up in the late eighties, nineties, so we had like eight millimeter oh, tape. Cool. Yeah. So I'd go on vacation and shoot things, and that kind of like was getting familiar with a camera. And then, I think in high school, I started. I found I discovered that you could ask your teachers to make a movie instead of write a paper <laughs> really yeah so then i st i was like hey can i uh make a little movie for this project instead yeah and i was like wow, yeah sure cool. i did the same thing yeah yeah and so mm -hmm. yeah that's way better than having to write it yeah and then that kind of just carried me through college yeah but um what were some of those movies like <clears throat> um do you remember there was there was like a i think when i was a maybe a sophomore i did like a little very linear, like get a few shots on eight millimeter for a math project. I don't even remember what it was, the storyline exactly. I don't even know if I have it. Um, and then uh, when I was a junior, we did, we were supposed to read Of Mice and Men and do a report. So a few of us got, or a friend had a, um, a high eight. It might have actually been digital eight, but I think it was high eight. And then um, he took it to Odyssey. Because they had an Avid, like mm -hmm. a tape-to-tape, -tape, like a t Avid tape 
NLE. He was able to put a little edit together for that. And we were just, you know, reenacting of Mice and Men highlights in the desert. It was pretty <laughs> nice. goofy. Did you kill Lenny? Uh, I was Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> and I got shot with a paintball gun. That was our <laughs> that was our gun. That's perfect for the desert. And then nice. uh and then I ax- then I was like, George, what'd you do that for? And then <laughs> I, I took out George and we completely rewrote the whole thing. Okay. That's the uh, artistic uh, adaptation. Yeah. I remember I did a picture of Dorian Gray as a instead of a painting, it was called still frame, it was a photograph that changed as he did fucked up stuff. <laughs> and uh and then at the end he stabbed the picture with a knife and it killed him whoa yeah i remember seeing that film yeah it's like it was 40 i made it exactly the length of class so everyone would get out of class so (laughs) like by the time it was done like class was over do you still have it i do it's on youtube yeah you should send me that i'll watch it yeah um and then i think uh when i got my work when i was able to get a work permit i took a summer job and i used that to get a little mini DV JVC camera. And that's when uh, our parents had an, I got an iMac. And so we had, I we then had iMovie and a Firewire port. Ooh. And mini DV? Yeah. Um, so did a couple just messing around and like did a, a little war, a little war movie in the river. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, and that was like maybe five or six minutes and I just started making little shorts and stuff because there was this uh, I was in theater and then we were at at the time we were driving out to Silverado for shows because Victor didn't have a theater and Jason Elright was like hey there's this guy Gerald's got a film festival you should make something put it in the film festival I was like all right so um, I was talking to my friend Christy who also went to Silverado about him because she still keeps in contact and said, yeah, Jason Elright probably helped me start my film career <laughs> besides, you know, Jen Nocera doing theater. I mean, theater got me into the other theater, and then he was like, hey, you should try film. I was like, I'll do that, actually. Oh, that's pretty cool. So then what but did it you... it wasn't really film. It was tape. Yeah. Yeah. You know. What did you go to college for then? What was the degree? Um, I just did like a basic liberal arts thing at VVC to okay. get my transfers stuff done. And then I transferred to UCR. Oh, nice. And they had a film program there at the time. Oh, okay. That uh, a guy I used to work with, Rajan Shandil, he actually started it because he was on independent study. Yeah. And they didn't have anything. So he kind of made up a film program for himself. Wow. And then they turned it into like a formal thing Yeah. for a few years. And then the last I looked, it got split up between the art department and the humanities. So humanities does like a cultural thing, which is kind of more of what I did there, which was like, look at different um, countries that have like film grants and publicly subsidized films in in different regions and just watch them and break them down and, you know, consider the socioeconomic influences of them and, Cetera, Did you guys watch Close Up? What's that? It's the Iranian so. film about the guy that makes a movie. No, but he no, pretends no, to make mid, a movie. no. Middle Eastern. <laughs> was it? I'm gonna. I'm gonna Actually, you in. you would probably dig it. Close Up. Yeah. yeah, 
Um, here's you're gonna have to add probably a lot. That's cool, man. <laughs> just from that description of what you would study, you feel like, huh? It's I know. Like, I, I literally just jumped. They don't just go bang, bang, boom, boom. <laughs> jumped close up, jumped right into my mind when he was talking about that. Is it a 2012 or 96? 96. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's a film that wasn't made in Iran, and it's about a guy that pretends to be a filmmaker, but actually ends up making a movie. Sick. Yeah, yeah. you'll actually have to let us know what you think because okay. it's a trip. It's it's a fucking trip. It's it's really interesting. I'll check it out. It was mostly um we did German cinema from like post war up to like the nineties maybe, and then um Southeast Asian cinema, Chinese, Vietnamese. Okay, then, so um, that was the focus. What yeah, and then some what Latin countries kind of stood out to you as like, yeah, man, this is where it's at. I was really impressed with how Latin American countries, South America, you know indigenous tribes in Central and South America and the Mexican film industry kind of just sort of evolved itself into a thing. You know, they just sort of, they, they tell very like, um, personal stories Mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of a mix of like public funding and private funding, but, um, I'm not sure what it's like now. Um, but I just, I really like, you know, Latin American cinema. Yeah. So that was, that was a big one. And then the Chinese, you know, movies that came out of China during the, like the, um, like the post-war to like, I guess the eighties and nineties periods, like that period of time. Yeah. They're all, it's the same thing. You know, they're very like, they're very human centric. And okay. story and the stories are really compelling and they're different from a lot of what we had, I think, that was commercially driven and but the you know, this the like the seventies, I think, once you got out of the studio, the rigidity of like the studio system, things started loosening up and getting kind of cool. Okay. Yeah, with like the so, so is China so heavy in propaganda? back then as they seem to be now um because back then there was one uh what was the one that we watched it was um farewell my concubine oh i've heard hey they just re-released it in theaters yeah it's like the 30th or 20th anniversary i think that one got kind of the dude who made it got kind of in trouble just because it was like pretty the theme they weren't really happy with a lot of the themes that were in it but i could be wrong but that one was like that's a really good movie, and it's long. It's you see a whole journey of a person through their life. I like those kinds of films where you see like a journey of a person through their life. Yeah, like uh, over like a long time frame or just mm-hmm. a snapshot or a vignette, like a full like long time frame. Did you ever see In the Mood for Love? No, no. I love that movie. <laughs> yep, going to the list. Going to the list. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Yeah. That one, yeah, some of the best just directing and cinematography and one of the best soundtracks ever, I would say. Yeah, that's uh that's the one that uh everything everyone all at once ripped off, right? Yes, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a strong uh influence one of the sorry F stories or whatever. Hong Kong. Yeah, it's on the it's on the criterion list. So. Oh, one car Y. <laughs> I like yeah. that dude. Cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. It's on the list. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I'm excited for you to see it because I know you'll love it. Yeah, we got to get through that list. I still want to see Paris, Texas so bad. Oh, yeah. I always heard about that. Have you seen that one? 
No. No, I'll say either. That's on the list. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you always hear about it. Paris, Texas, Paris, Texas. Well, I like, love okay. I love Harry Dean Stanton and uh, what's his name's also in it too, right? Uh, oh, God. Is that Linklater? No. No, no it's... No, I'm thinking of uh, his first one. Slackers? Slackers. Who did Paris, Texas? I don't know off the top of my head. But yeah, Dean, St- uh, Dean uh, Stockwell is also in it, I believe. Oh, really? And like those two together. Like those are just like two of my favorites. Like they just like in... Like Harry Dean Stanton's in like a lot of really good fucking movies. Like Repo Man. You've seen Repo Man? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. That's a good one. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah, so... Let's see. So you went to then uh, you graduated from college. Did you graduate and get your film degree, or did you? I mean, it was a degree. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's it's somewhere. And so then, what happens after that? Do you? What's your ambition at that point? Are you like I want to be a director? I think I wanted. I actually just wanted to learn everything because I was. I said I had started editing. Oh, um, okay. And like just uh, operating camera, and. Um, I would do PA, I would get on cause, um, we had the Inland Empire Film Commission in Riverside. And so productions would come out here to film in like the desert and El Mirage and stuff. And there was a film in Hesperia called Neighborhood Watch. I think it was 35 millimeter, but I got on there as a PA for a few days I got on Jarhead for like a day or two. <laughs> I was on Jarhead. Yeah? Yeah. Were you an extra? Oh, yeah. I was a Marine. That was cool, right? Yeah, I did it for like a week. Sick. Yeah, and I even got put into the, they call it like the state program or something, which is actually a Marine term, but it was for the extras who were going to be on camera, but I got booted. <laughs> and they put me in a, what do you call physical, ex- what do they call it? Physical exercise? When you oh, PT? Yeah, they put me in PT, so we were doing jumping jacks for like six <laughs> hours. <laughs> That's wild. I had to uh, drag some cars that came around the corner. Oh, really? In the parade ground scene. Yeah. And then that night, we did something at the theater. Yeah, I was there too. I got to meet Jake Gyllenhaal a little bit there. Okay. Yeah. We sat. He had. A, he sat at our table for lo- or dinner. He was cool. Just bullshitted. Oh yeah. That's cool. I thought he was really annoying. You didn't invite him to be on Dickhead, buddy? Nah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I said a single word when I was there, man. I didn't talk to nobody. That's why you got passed up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why you're doing jumping jacks. (laughs) You're supposed to kiss some ass, bro. That's true. Oh, man. So, I I know you... uh, Well, uh, this probably might be jumping forward. Is it called Restrained? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know you produced that. So how, what kind of happened with all that? Because that has that was a pretty cool movie. Yeah. Did you watch it? Yeah, I yeah. have seen it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with uh, Dana Ashbrook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, that was. I remember when you because you were posting a lot about it when you guys were filming on it. So I remember I like tried to get it as soon as I could. Okay. No, yeah. it was we just were like uh, they had the script and I was fortunate to be on it great team of really competent people yeah um <clears throat> but we kind of just divvied up responsibilities and adam th- directed it and wrote it and we just kind of pieced it together we wanted to shoot up here because you know it's cheaper to shoot up here mm-hmm. i think and we rented a house in apple valley and 
kind of doubled as our HQ, our production office <laughs> slash yeah. hotel slash That's Mindy filming right everything. there. Yeah, it was. T- and I was still work, you know, working at the school full time. So it was a lot of driving back and forth for oh, wow. a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And then we'd shoot, you know, full days. And when was this? Um, twenty fourteen ish. Yeah, I was oh, gonna say okay. it's been a it's been a bit it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, um, yeah. I need to rewatch it again. It was pretty cool. Cool. You should check it out. I'll, yeah. Yeah. It's so. I've noticed that just from the you know comments and people who've actually seen it, you know, it's very much like it has its audience. But then I think what happens is a lot of people who expect what you know end up watching it maybe there's probably a percentage that expects something else and then oh, yeah. uh, don't get that. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. This movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so do you get like a built-in audience because you have Dana in the movie? Because like all the I don't tw- know. Twin Peaks I, I don't and know. everything? I've tried to, that whole, the whole, you know, dis- distributing that has been a very eye-opening learning experience. And I would like to be able to see a lot of the data that is produced by different platforms and track it and kind of see where things are coming from because there's a way to do it. But they don't want, you know, nobody wants to give that up or share it or anything if they don't have to. Yeah. So then where can you find it then? So it's on streaming it's on Prime. Yeah, it's, yeah on, it's Prime. on Prime. Um, it's on YouTube now, actually, for ad-supported video on demand. It's on Tubi. Oh, it's like Tubi. Um, iTunes, Google Play. Tubi wasn't even around when it was released. No, that was a new one. It might be on Voodoo. Oh, okay. Voodoo has some good stuff. Is that one ad supported? Is that an ad thing? Ah, it's been a while. Um, Tubi's an ad thing, right? Tubi yeah, is. Tubi is, yeah. Tubi apparently, I somehow they, uh, I was able to get a spreadsheet of the first quarter that it ran in the United States. Oh, wow. And I was able to see that, you know, ad-supported video on demand is pretty much like you're going to get, that's that's where the bulk of the views in the, come from. Yeah. And then uh, rentals and downloads. Oh, that's where another bulk comes yeah, from then? Yeah, that's like the second. And then after that is like physical media. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So then, I don't know if you mind sharing because, you know, Eventually, we'll be heading into the distribution element. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you ran into that were unexpected? And, and just kind of what was that experience like in general? Well, we had kind of a plan ABC type of thing. Mm-hmm. And plan A was like, let's maybe look into self-distribution. But at the time, there weren't a lot of, there wasn't really like a solid aggregator that would that was like doing it. Yeah. Which is an aggregator will take you, you'll basically pay them a setup fee and get all the, all your files together and everything. And then they, you know, make calls to iTunes, Google play, um, voodoo and Tubi, I think, or Amazon. Because Amazon used to have a program where, as a filmmaker, you could just submit directly to them and they mm-hmm. and set it up that way. But I think they got so much shit content that they were like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, they had to stop that, huh? You have oh, to, okay. like, <clears throat> Red <sense>. follow some <laughs> rules. Go through these gatekeepers. So, 
you know, we couldn't, we weren't really in a spot to where we could self-distribute reliably because it was kind of just a guess, guessing game. Yeah. So we got a sales agent and then they did the whole take it to markets, try to sell off territories. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, it made enough back to pay for that, like pay oh, yeah. for <laughs> pay the sales agent. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to get itself. But, um, you know, I think that was its own learning process. Okay. Did you ever enter the festival markets? Was that ever a consideration? It went to a few. It went to Buffalo, Buffalo International and then um, some online, some weird online ones. But it was never like the main no. avenue. So no. then the main choice was always that self-distribution. That was, was it, I mean, that's originally what I had wanted to do. And then, so, we, and we never sold every, you know, we didn't sell all every territory. So there's some like um, South America and Latin America. I thought you liked the Latin America. I do. And and those are, out, but huh? those are, those are available. So, um, you know, we, once the two year period of having a sales agent expired, we started looking into it and found a company called Bitmax. And so I've been kind of working on them on getting deliverables. Oh, I'm, wow. The most recent one was doing the captions because, you know, oh. they want to have their own captions file. And so instead mm -hmm. of paying for it, I was like, well, I'll just figure out how to do it. Yeah. And so that's been a little bit of trial and error. But um, they were pretty cool because it was mainly just, you know, give us a ProRes file with some, you know, if it's stereo, fine. They'll upmix it to 5.1 if they need to. Oh. Um, but they can basically peel off everything they need from a ProRes file. Yeah. For the most part. And it's a flat fee. So you pay a flat fee and then um, an annual maintenance fee once it's up. And mm -hmm. uh, they let you keep everything. And it ends up, you know, the maintenance fee ends up being like maybe a couple hundred bucks a year. And so the deal is pretty, it seems pretty good, but it's still kind of like we still got to just get it to where they have because the problem is um because the rights were all split up the way they were it makes it hard to get onto prime because oh. the first person to put it on prime um because uh kind of it's i think it's changed because i've seen movies where like um there's multiple versions of the same movie on Prime now, and like one of them you can't get access to, but one of them you can. Oh, uh -huh. so I'm I'm guessing that like one of them is maybe a different territory that isn't available. Yeah, or was, and then one of them's like North America, but because you s split it up like that, it may it it was making it kind of hard to be like, how do we do this exactly? Mm -hmm. So we've been working with them to figure that out, and. The conclusion will be that it should be available in um, once it's once the English captions are good, and then those are translated. Every platform that didn't get sold should oh. be able to have it, and then that and you know they let you keep everything after that. So and you get access to all the data, you know mm -hmm. all the data that these platforms produce, and that's really I think the important thing. So not having that is kind of lame <laughs> yeah so then so then that's a huge element then is to maintain those rights right like even with the i think so yeah you keep i think the best way to do it is just like treat it like a coffee shop you know like work the cost of 
paying an aggregator to get it onto a base because we have the platforms now. Yeah. And there's a way to get on there. Yeah. And you don't want to give up your rights to have access to your audience and, you know, information about what your movie's doing and how it's doing. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. And then if you can keep all your global rights, you basically have like a, a, a functional worldwide business hmm. that um, you can at least get, get on the ground and move, get it moving, you know, yeah. get it sold, get it up there. Maybe buy some YouTube ads or some Instagram ads just to prime the pump a little. Yeah. Um, and just see how it works organically. Just learn, you know, how people, who's buying it, where they're buying it, you know. But without any of that data, you can't find you can't really do anything. Yeah. Out, right? No. My parents had a good idea. They're like, why don't you run some ads to restraint? I was like, because I would not be able to see how they do. Like I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't see what they do until we have you know access like to all of south america and i can run ads to oh. south america and see well how does it do in south america yeah yeah that's interesting because we had some friends who and just hearing you talk about that aggregator we had some friends who got their film bought up by a company but for that company they took all rights from them for yeah. the next eight years and how much did they get all their budget back I don't know if they want to say, but they only got two thousand. Yeah, fuck that. That's bullshit. <laughs> and I don't even know how much they it costs to even set up the fees and all of that. Yeah, right? I believe they put money. Dude, it's like that. a it's less than two thousand dollars. Yeah, and you get to reap. You get to keep all your rights, and yeah. you get you know, and it's just working that cost. And it for annually, you know, the maintenance is should be pretty low. I don't know about other companies that are doing the same thing, but you know, I would find someone that just. Over time, you know, the cost is reasonable and, you know, you're going to have a setup fee and you're probably going to have to pay for like them to generate their own captions because mm -hmm. those are getting very strict. The it, captions? Yeah, there's there's a lot of nuance to them and oh, really? they have to be able to be, in, you know, formatted in a way to where they can derive other ones off, like other languages off of and stuff. So they have. Oh, okay. I see. It's, it's a little tricky. You can't just make a text file no. and encode it to no. the movie? No. <laughs> Not that easy. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was interesting, but I think the next go around, I would just budget the, I think it was 750 just for them to also make a caption file off of all that. So you're saying it's worth to just pay it off? Just totally. If you can afford yeah. it. Okay. Because well, we'll you get to hold on to the rights. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing too is I would have, I think that if I were to do it again and have that experience of, holding on to the rights, going through an aggregator, getting it, just getting it out there. Maybe do, I mean, festivals are cool, but it's like, there's only a few that really require, you know, big ones that are like, you cannot have it sold because they have their own markets and stuff. Yeah. Or they have buyers there. But it's like, just put it online and then submit to festivals. If they want it, they want it. If they don't, who cares? But at least people have access to it. And they yeah. can give you money to watch it, and you can see where they're watching it and what they're watching it on. Yeah, that shit's valuable. And then I think you have a lot, you have a lot more ground to stand on at that point to then like try to sell off rights, mm. peel off rights, because mm -hmm. their distributors are looking to get that shit at a discount, package a bunch of movies together, and then make their money that way yeah and and i think their whole business model is to 
to just sell the whole thing short yeah so that they can make something yeah by just existing as a middleman and it's like just get rid of them i mean they have a per i think they have a purpose but in a lot of in other situations but if you're just like making a movie and you want to get it out there just do it yourself we're that's there a, we're there that's a good point too when you said they're just packaging movies because like our buddies it's probably a lot like they really focused on that one movie it's probably like here's like a collection of mm -hmm. these films buy it at this rate yeah they're yeah. like ad buyers they're yeah. ad buyers and distributors i think are very similar where they're just like you know get a bunch of stuff together that i can put here yeah and in that process you make a little bit of money yeah because at that point it's just content to fill in that right mm -hmm. for that ad huh yeah <laughs> there's yeah, a lot dude. to think about yeah there is and if i know you that... if you want help if you want to like work out some things let me know because i would love to just kind of dig into that more oh yeah i mean oh, yeah definitely once we get there we're getting close <laughs> like we're getting close and i know we probably should be starting on that stuff soon so that there's like a press presence when it's finished just yeah. wait till it's, when you have a finished thing and you're like all right it's done then then worry about it yeah save yourself the heartache that's true <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. It will probably Life be pretty short. painful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it's just, I mean, we're looking at posts now just trying to find. Just get there. Yeah. Once you get, once people. you have the locked cut and you're like, this is good. We're happy. It's done. Mm -hmm. Like you'll free up so much mental, so many mental resources, just and emotional, just to like do all that other stuff. Yeah, that it'll be fun and that's what we've been saying. Probably, it's like yeah. I can't wait till someone's coloring this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not us or composing. Like, it's a uh, horror film. It's mm -hmm. a horror film. Yeah, called Dickhead. Are you cutting it on Premiere? Yeah, yeah. We have a pretty solid cut right now. Um, there's only really like three scenes to lock up, and then I'm gonna fine tune it a little bit, and then uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so getting close. Sick. We can see the finish line. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which we couldn't, you know, we've been trying to say for a long time. So uh, after, well, we kind of jumped into Restrained and then, so, but after college, like, what kind of roles did you want to do? Did you want to do producing? I know you talked about photography, but like directing, do you like to write? Like, how does that kind of, how does that go for you? It was kind of like, I just wanted, I was doing a lot of it. We were, I was doing editing, lots of editing. We were shooting local commercials and then there were just different projects I'd pop on. And I think it was just, I was realizing there's so much content. That's about the time that just different types of content started popping up everywhere that I kind of just wanted to learn. I wanted to just focus on capturing image and sound and cutting it together and delivering it as something and just yeah. get that muscle working. Because I felt like I couldn't really direct or write until I had like a solid understanding of the whole production process. So I kind of just jumped around a lot, did a lot, a lot of like crappy digital effects on shorts, sky replacements, things like that. Oh, good. We need some sky replacements. <laughs> <laughs> so then, would you mostly focus in the post realm then? Or yeah. Was, yeah. Um, there was, uh, you know, some shorts 
I think it was 2006 or seven, maybe when I graduated. And then I had a friend who wrote a short and we went out in Lucerne and shot that. That eventually got released somewhere, I think. But it was it was like a forty minute short, oh. and I caught operated camera on that. That was fun, but then just mostly editing. I did like a, a lot of marketing at one point, like print and ad stuff, just making ads. And then um, around twenty eleven ish, there was a for, for my friend's brother was. Um, directing a feature down in like Moreno Valley area. Okay. Yeah. And he wanted, he uh, needed a DP. So I just went down and did like a second unit thing and shot a couple days. And then he, they wanted to do this Western series and got some money for that. So we shot a bunch of episodes of that just on digital cameras. Mm-hmm. And I edited a couple of them, but then I had a friend edit, and that's when I started getting into like working with someone else editing what I'm shooting. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> and then about that same time, I started working for Stan Winston School, and then that's kind of where I've been. So how did that come about? Um, I was doing effects on my friend Frank Ippolito's short films, and tell he and uh, Zeke Zabrowski. They made a series called End Teller where Teller's out in the desert and during a zombie apocalypse and he, he's just kind of like waxing poetic on the days and shooting zombies and stuff and <laughs> tri- teaching them magic. <laughs> and so uh, they were going to film a course with him one day and he's like, hey, you want to come and hang out while the Stan Winston guys are here? And I didn't know what that meant. So I was like, sure. And so <clears throat> I was just there kind of like noodling on the computer and the guy that they had hired to operate camera didn't show up. So I was like, I'll shoot, I'll operate for you. <laughs> so I did that for a day and then they were like, Hey, you want to come back tomorrow? I was like, sure. So we did that off and on a couple times a month for a while. And then at one point they needed help with post and some other things. So, okay, cool. So then, uh, you're doing editing and, Camera working for uh, camera operating for them still. Um, well, right now we have uh, like we hire camera operators, so I have other people to operate. I still operate the overhead jib camera mm-hmm. with Eric, and we all just kind of like are watching and making adjustments as we go. But there's now two dedicated camera operators doing like inserts, and we have an overhead and a master. And it's usually pretty much the same setup. There's times like we this year we've been filming at Fonco Studios. Uh, like a, it's going to end up being I think four parts of a miniature um, build to completion. And then uh, about a year year or two ago, we hired another editor, and then I trained him to cut a course from start to finish. So. Yesterday was the first time we've been on, or yesterday and the day before were the first times we've been on set where someone else can switch and other people are operating mostly. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm on a laptop watching and taking time code notes of mm-hmm. like, cut this. Mm-hmm. This is a cool, this would be a cool ad. 
you know, this might be cool, a cool line for the trailer. Yeah. So getting more into that, like making little social contents and ad contents and then just making sure the things get finished. There's a whole process now where, you know, they'll take the line, we'll take the line cut from YouTube. Um, Andrew will sync up all the cameras in Resolve and then we'll transfer the edit points from the line cut into that multicam clip. So that'll give him like a starting point. Mm -hmm. And then we'll just go through and like start chopping it up into chapters. Oh, wow. Then he'll send it to me. I'll make notes. I'll send him the notes. He'll do them. We'll upload them for QC. You know, there'll be a last round of notes. And make those changes. Swap them out. Get everything together and launch it. So what exactly is Stan Winston? He's a special effects artist. Terminator? He was, yeah, he was a special effects uh, creature creator, character. So then, creator. what what is what is the company doing? Just other special it's effects. A, and it's other named films? after him, and it's uh, basically working with um, the a lot of the artists that worked with him uh-huh. and new artists who do special practical effects. Oh, okay. So it's a lot of painting and sculpting, oh, puppet cool. making some filmmaking um there's probably two i think we're at uh a little over 240 240 courses oh wow and about a thousand hours now oh wow that's cool yeah and it's just real time you know process yeah just here's your tools and materials and here's what we're gonna do and let's get to it And so then the the focus is definitely then only strictly practicals? Uh not strictly. There's we have some digital courses. We have some ZBrush courses and um the the one we just did was a, was a makeup appli- makeup but um with some a mixture of appliances like um well actually this was this was all silicone mostly silicone and urethane yeah but there was just a quick overview of here's this on terminator 3 and here's the green screen part and here's how you hybridize you know oh uh-huh. this practical effect with a digital yeah plate type okay of thing there's there's a few other instances there's just in the manufacturing processes we did one last year with a it was based on the T-Rex eye. Oh, uh-huh. Taught by the guy who made the T-Rex eyes. Yeah. And what he was doing was wanting to basically create an eye process based off of that that incorporated 3D printing. So he worked with uh, an artist, I think it was in ZBrush, to um, sculpt like a piece of the eye. Yeah. 3D print it and then paint and coat it. Oh wow. And oh, it's nice. it's kind of the same sort of style of yeah. T-Rex eye. So there's that there's hybridizing the manufacturing process and then hybridizing the the picture itself. Okay, yeah. So is there ever a worry cuz like uh practicals, you know, they're not nearly used they're not used nearly as much. I think that's just, I don't know what that I mean, I don't even know what the at this point, I don't know that what pool of data that's that would even be based on okay or if it's even i mean 
because practical effects, if planned properly, are a lot cheaper than any digital effect. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of movies that are overly reliant on digital effects probably have tax credit obligations to hire digital artists and stuff them into a building and make them work on something. And, yeah, you know, so they're, they're basically making money on the back end off of that process in that sort of roundabout way. Yeah. Versus like, we literally just need to get these shots. Let's mm. get them cheap, you know, as cost effective as we can, but also visual, <clears throat> you know, visually cool. Yeah. Um, I think that there's the way that like Jurassic Park did it and the abyss and the mummy. Yeah. You know, movies like that where they would kind of mix the two, like you'd have some digital, but you were basically shooting on film, mm -hmm. shooting practical effects on film, printing a digital plate to film, compositing that yeah. onto, you know, a scan of a negative and outputting that as the final shot was like, that was special. Those yeah. are like, I think those are special images. And I, mm -hmm. I don't think you can achieve that digitally at mm. this point. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of heavy, heavy digital movies are more like video game cinematics at this point. Yes. Oh yeah. And it's, it's cool, but it's like, it's a different thing. It's like, yeah. a full, it's, it's a hyper real thing, you know? Yeah. There's just that uncanny valley that you had, that's hard to get over. Well, even just the scale of so much of those digital effects, you know, like um, I saw Transformers not too long ago, the Beast one. Yeah. And I mean, if you saw it practically, it'd be like mind blowing, you mm. know, but to see it in digital, it's just, you get bored. There's just so much going on in the screen, you know, and it's just overwhelming it, and it loses its impact. You know, it just, it just loses any weight it actually has because of the oversaturation of all of that use. Do you feel like you're like used to it in a sort of way where? No, I don't think just, I'm. I don't think I'm used to it because it always. It's um, just not effective or something. It just elicits a response from me every time I see it. You know, either I get a headache or I'm just oh, like, okay. oh, whoa, there's a lot going on here. Say, so, I've been having like the opposite reaction of used to it. It's been looking worse and worse recently. I don't know if that has to. But do don't with, you always notice it though? That's oh, what I'm yeah. saying. Like I always notice it, and yeah, it's just. Because yeah, I saw that I saw the new that new Transformers, and it was I thought it was horribly ugly. I thought it was one of the. I mean, Bumblebee I thought looked way better, and I'm not sure what. I mean, I know there's different difference, uh, you know, in oh, times like, and yeah. technology, but like I was like, well, this also movie studios. Looks, this, it just looked. I thought it looked terrible. I was not a fan. Did you see any of like I haven't seen them, but have you seen the Spider Verse ones that are kind of like a mix of different things? Yeah, I've seen. Oh, I've seen the first one. I didn't see the second. Those one. seem like they're getting pretty. I'd like to check it out just because of the way people describe them, but I think that's good. like a cool way to. Do you like Spider-Man? Yeah. Then you'll yeah. Then it's good. Cool. Do you like Nick Cage? Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Put it on the list. Not mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say be. I would say the second one's more interesting than the first as far as that goes because they mix it up even more. Okay. Like they push further into because it's the multiverse, so mm -hmm. everything exists in the multiverse. Um. And like as an art piece, it's a little more interesting, but sometimes it's just too hard to read because again, there's just too much going on the screen. Mm -hmm. And it's like they needed to dial it back so that you could focus on what you need to see because there's just 
so many competing elements within the frame that the eye just doesn't get to focus on what it needs to. So mm -hmm. I think it suffers that. But it is interesting to see certainly how they mix it up. I mean, they have Lego Spider-Man. Um, and then they have like drawing ones for like the, the punk Spider-Man. It's more like a, like a drawing sketching of some sort. So you get to see like, it feels like different mediums, you know, mixed in there. So that that's always interesting, but yeah, it was just too much going on in the screen. It's kind of like, eh. mm -hmm. yeah, they do. They they employ a lot of cool uh, uh, tricks. And in the first one, I remember some characters move at different frames per second, depending on their well, animation I think even style. The film is filmed at a different frame rate. Yeah, so depending on the art style, the character, or like the animation, they'll be animated at, at different frames. Like the olders will like be animated at like I think it was like twelve frames per second or something like that. Okay. And so that that's that was pretty. It was a, it it was interesting, but it's also kind of like you have to really be kind of paying attention to notice. I would bet that kind of went over a lot of people's heads. But then it's like the details but I think are there. That's also like a compliment to them because they don't want that to be noticed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Within the context of that, but yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I, you know, it's funny because we're talking about the practicals versus digital because we were watching. Our, our, we were working on our edit the other day and I was high as a kite and drunk. So, you know, it made everything feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Gives you more radical ideas. But just seeing it, because initially from the onset of this, I always felt like, you know, we're going to have the practical effects going like a bloody hand along the wall. That's always going to be there. And then we can just add to it with digital effects to make it a little more, I don't know, um, Color graded or something? Not color graded, but just uh, more striking, but more just prominent within okay. the scene, you know? Because they look very lackluster. It's just Augmented like, a yeah, little more? Yeah, like maybe dripping, not dripping blood necessarily, but just accentuating it all. But then watching it, I was kind of like, man, maybe we just say fuck it to that. I mean, I think there's some areas where we do need some digital, like police lights. Mm. I think we should have that. But... There was just a certain charm to the practical effect and in respect to us and our film. You know, it is, it's a low budget film. You watch it, you're like, yeah, these guys definitely had no money, didn't know what they were doing, but they tried. And so if you can, you know, there's charm in that, like with the evil dead, right? You know, it, it has its issues, but you appreciate it for what they're trying to accomplish and do and what they, they achieve. Not to say we're anything like that whatsoever, <laughs> not at all. Say, don't compare. But, there's like three movies you don't compare yourself to. But, but he, uh, clerks then. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when you see these like independent productions where you know they had no money and they they kind of just had a camera and ran with it. Like there's a certain charm in films like that. Oh yeah. But I I watch a lot of them on Tubi. Film lover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because they're always adding like bad digital effects and everything. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's a point where I think it's kind of like, man, that they either they didn't sell the the practical effect, or the whole time they had a friend that was like, I know Photoshop. Yeah, <laughs> and and honestly, probably seven times out of ten, you'd be better off just trying to figure out a, a practical solution, especially on the in the area that Tom and I are in. Um, yeah, I don't know why I brought that up. I just wanted practical to effects for. Practical Relevant. effects are like pizza and sex. Even bad pizza and sex is good. <laughs> yeah, dude. <clears throat> it's got an audience. Someone will find it. Yeah. Know, and they'll, they'll watch but it. Yeah. And it's like, and, and I was, I, I, I kind of curious to get your input on this. I was thinking about how markets and everything today, everything is so niche. Like there are just people that just like Italian gala movies. Mm -hmm. There are people that just watch uh, like David Lynch uh, 
Twin Peaks movie like over and over again, right? And so how do you kind of approach those markets when trying to break into those niches? Or like if you how do you in, like try to pull those people in? That's probably a strategy. I think you could probably just make whatever the fuck you want mm-hmm. and then but also be like I'm going to make this action movie for X amount of dollars and it's going to have some blood and you know it's going to have this sort of general storyline and yeah it might like fit sort of like a a template in a way that maybe could be pieced together from what you know looking at like a niche or a market like you're talking about mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of ways to go about it I talked to a sales agent at our cigar meetup at one point he was just hanging out there and happened he just happened to be there but I was just picking his brain for hours and he had got he would he had been in production and then got into sales and then eventually was like well these are the kinds of movies that are selling at markets so you know and he learned from them and we kind of went through different ones and he showed us you know it was me and a couple others and he showed us some examples of things that he had sold at what price point and stuff and the storylines and I still need to check some of them out but I wrote them down um but I think that's a way you can go is that a way you would go I don't know I'd like to go to the AFM just to see what it's like and see what's there and how you know how that all works just for knowledge purposes but I'm still I really like just like you know, like with restraint, it was really the script. It was like, yeah, this is, this can be shot for, you know, a low amount of money in one location mostly. Yeah. And the story's pretty good, you know, and it's kind of scary and I want to see what happens to the end, but it's not like 20 other things that are on a, I mean, it could, there's probably, there's films that are like it, but they're not like, it wasn't a thing where we could say, oh, this fits into this mold. Mm, and yeah. Let's yeah. just do that. It was, mm-hmm. it kind of stood on its own in a lot of ways. It stands on its own, I think. But it's also, you know, character driven in one location and it shares a lot of similarities to other films in a way to where you could make, you could probably break it down and classify it in, in that way. So what kind of do you have a what kind of stories do you like to tell? Do you have do you have like a story in mind or mm. something that you want to do? I've for been yourself? way into folk horror lately. Okay, so I'm kind of exploring the like, idea. Don't torture the duckling. I've never heard of that. Oh, add it to the I'm list. Add that to the list. <laughs> That's a film. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I thought that was. It's a, a good one. <laughs> don't torture the duckling. Um, um, but I have a folk horror list that I've been chipping away at. Yeah. I, I got when they released that when Shutter re- released that big folk horror documentary, I just devoured every single one that they had on there, and then I just was like, I need every folk horror movie ever made, and I like, <laughs> uh, let's scare Jessica to death, you know, stuff like that. That was on there. I don't think I've seen that one yet. Um, that was a good one. I've, I, do I, I just, I can just devour. Like once I get into like a, like a genre or a theme, I can just devour movies like nonstop. And what exactly is folk horror? Folk horror. So you have. Uh, like the perfect example would be like the Wicker Man, mm-hmm. right? It's like a folksy kind of tale, but then there's horror elements added, right? Normally, like a small village, mythological creatures, uh, you know, uh, urban legends, that kind of thing. So dealing with the creatures from all of those, and it usually involves a small town. 
It, it usually involves some a small kind town. of community yeah. or like it usually involves the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like an intersection of like rural sensibilities and like, mm-hmm. um, like modern sensibilities. Usually the protagonists mm-hmm. who don't know any better. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think the wicker man's like a perfect example of full core. The original wicker man. Yeah. That one's pretty good. Yeah. It's a good one. There is one that came out not too long ago. I don't know if it's any good or not, <laughs> but I watched it. It's an Irish film with fairies, and the fairies start like, oh, the, trying to take their uh, baby or something. Don't knock or yeah. It came out not too long ago. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know if it's good, I but it was interesting. I was like, oh, fairies. I mean, I just play magic and <laughs> Disney. You know, the fairies weren't too terrified. Yeah. Was it don't knock twice? That's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 There's so, oh, you know, it was a good one. It's the Norse one. It has like Norse myth Loki, Sun, um, where they go into the, uh, that's kind of a spoiler. <laughs> they go into the woods because a friend's murdered. Ritual? Yes. The Ritual. Yeah. That's on Netflix. That's a good one. I love the Ritual. That was really solid. I've been way interested in like uh, the desert, you know, and I love the desert and I love shooting yeah. the desert on film because yeah. I, I think it's, that's, I like that a lot. And I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for untold folk, folksy tales of desert. Yeah. I like the Jackarilla jogger, right? <laughs> Jackarilla jogger? What the fuck is that? He's the jogger on Jackarilla. Really? <laughs> yeah. He scares cars. He got ran over one day jogging. <laughs> That's up off. That's like Mariana's area, right? Yeah, yeah. It's somewhere out there. And then you told me the rakes. And then you never remembered what I oh. Maybe you were making it up or something. A rake uh, or probably something. was. You said there were naked people who walk around with long nails in the desert. Oh, <laughs> oh I was just fucking with you. <laughs> oh, <you laughs> I've like, never heard that before. <laughs> that sounds like the cream-colored man. Have you, heard, have you heard the cream colored man? No, tell okay. us. <laughs> I'm getting high. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I've been. That's why I was like, for my questions. <laughs> I was like, Rake, let's go. <laughs> what are you talking about? Rake and leaves? No, dig up, yeah. look into the cream colored man. Okay, look into there's, it. You're not yeah, going to tell there's, us. There's pieces. It's the essential, it, essentially, it's a, it's like a large, skinny person who's pale. And I've heard, for instance, around like uh between apple valley and lucerne on highway 18 i'm getting scared like <laughs> uh he'll you'll you'll be driving yeah. and then you'll like see the silhouette just walk over from uh lucerne from the dry lake bed oh really? i think it's rabbit dry lake bed yeah i've That's heard crazy. one story of him like walking over highway 18 <laughs> over rabbit dry lake bed wow in the middle of the cream night. Color. We got to make a cream-colored man You know, I actually wanted to do that a while back, just dress in like a bodysuit that was cream-colored. <laughs> Walk around it, it outside No, yeah, and hide in the desert like at three in the morning, and then when there's an unsuspecting driver, just kind of like be off to You're the side. You're extensions? Yeah, and then just run and hide. Well, you know, Full well, finger I, extensions. I don't, I can't uh, count for the validity of this, but I know friends have had dinosaur sightings. <laughs> In the can't. desert, I like, can't say like, if it's <laughs> real or not. <laughs> like, but there have been three ninety, like three ninety five, out by George. Yeah. Oh, okay. That uh, they've been driving late at night. <laughs> like what kind of dinosaurs? Like like velociraptors. Velociraptor. <laughs> it's like 
person size. Yeah. Basically. Like large like and I'm like, could it be a coyote or a large dog? They're like, no man, it's not Velociraptor. Brandon told me that story. There's have you heard the Yucca Man? No, Yucca Man. Yucca Man goes back to the Takits Indians. Oh, okay. Or natives. Yeah. Um, in like Palm Desert area. Yeah. And it's kind of like a desert Bigfoot that has red or blue oh, eyes. Okay. And there's sightings from all the way from there to like Antelope Valley. I think that's just Tom when he gets fucking blasted. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's a lie. You stay in good shape. I mean, that's a that's a far way to travel, man. <laughs> you know, I think I'd lose some weight running all that <laughs> that distance, but it ain't working. <laughs> but there's been yeah. sightings at the Mitsubishi plant on the way to Big Bear. Okay. Off, off Highway 18. Well, yeah, dude. That's where they keep all their fucking like little children slaves, right? <laughs> They're fucking working the mines and shit. <laughs> Adam Lucerne. <laughs> Adam Mitsubishi. You never. It's like it's like fucking Wonka out there. You never see it actually operating. Well, I mean, I'm like. <laughs> I mean, people are. It's working. It's, it works. People are out. There. I know people who have worked out there. <laughs> I've never seen anyone go in. I've never seen anyone go out. <laughs> <laughs> you just go into the giant dome and never return. <laughs> what the fuck are they making out there, Mishibisi? Like Jesus Christ. Hey, would the Blair Witch Project count as a? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. yeah. oh, even yeah. though that's fake. Yeah. But that would still Blair Witch qualify. is absolutely totally. folk horror. Yeah. <laughs> witches? No, witches bad. That. Counts. I was gonna say witches are probably ninety percent of folk. Core, maybe there's a lot of them, yeah. Yeah, a lot of witches, okay. a lot of witches. Um, but the Yucca Man's kind of like a uh, like a there's a lot of tales, and there's it's a giant, it's supposed to be kind of more of like a Bigfoot and different variations of a Bigfoot. There's some sightings at Edwards, there's old uh, base newsletters that yeah. talk about it. Oh, really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> Edwards so is pretty far out there, too. Mm hmm. Because I've always been, and an, I know I probably tell every guest this, so it probably gets annoying, but I want to do an anthology movie set around the desert and like, and the interludes between the films takes place at the Barso Drive-In, yeah. which is where we're holding the festival and like weird shit is happening at the drive-in while we're holding the festival. That's fun. And then we show our, and we show the films and then it cuts into the movie. That place yeah. is still going, right? Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. And so, you know, I was always trying to invite people because it's like, there's a, interesting community of filmmakers out here and i think we could do something like anthology wise yeah man for sure yeah and i i'm like yucca man man i'm, I'm ready <laughs> bunch of yucca trees <laughs> it was just a yucca tree mm -hmm. i like i mean i like it there's it's and the whole idea is that you know they're they're kind of the protectors of the ecology aspect of yeah maybe they the are trees during the day and then they turn into yucca men at night well, oh, there you go. Down yeah. Summer. <laughs> like ants. They're yeah. Just basically ants. Yeah. And you could be that like a big. Anthropomorphize a little could, differently. Yeah. And it could be like a big tree person. You know, instead of tree beard, it's yucca beard. <laughs> yeah. But the desert is really interesting. And I don't think people really capture the desert. You kind of have to live here. You know, it's, it is yeah. a unique place. <laughs> but yeah, there's really just, it feels like there's a lot to tap into out here. Something I've noticed with film is that when you, you know, you take a digital camera out and you set it to daylight and you sh film whatever, yeah. you know, it has a look. Yeah. But if you take like tungsten film out and daylight film yeah. and you shoot different times of the day on different stocks and then you look at them, I think 
there's nuances in terms of of like the color temperature of shadows of the mountains oh, and yeah. the temperature of the highlights of the sun setting yeah and things that you know tungsten film will tell you well this is what it looks like on tungsten film yeah and daylight will tell you what it looks like on daylight film yeah and if i th- i haven't like done a side by side but i think if you were to shoot it digitally and then and then kind of try to match white balance wow. It would be kind. There'd be so much nuance to to try to even get close to that. That it's not as cut and dry as like, let's just set it to, yeah, this because you know, I think tungsten film, especially if you shoot it during, you know, golden hour or a little before even or even just you know late afternoon. Yeah, you see the you know the rich blues and the shadows, and then the sun is like really warm and mm-hmm. things look the colors are different. And oh yeah. And like daylight film at sunset, there is a music video I shot on 16 millimeter on Bell Mountain. And it happened over the course of the afternoon to sunset. And just the way the sky changes and the colors in the sky and yeah. the gradients, you know, they're so, they're, they're so complex. It's really difficult to have captured that on digital. It would have been difficult to capture that on digital, I think. Well, like Forrest Gump said, most beautiful thing he saw in the deserts where the sun rises and sunsets. <laughs> Got a lot of those and they're very, very beautiful. But it's true, right? Like, yeah. I mean, our sunsets, man. So I'll just go out they're there and sick. like, God damn. Yeah, oh, right? Yeah. Especially when we get some good puffy clouds. Yeah, and and it's, it's like, like bouncing like, off of them everywhere. I know. I'm mm. like, I don't know. Like, no wonder there's so many car accidents. I'm always just like... <laughs> Everyone's just, looking, just in awe. Don't even look at the road, just man. Looking at the sky. Oh, the just sky looking is at the so beautiful, beautiful incandescent, <laughs> you know, iridescence. Like, oh my god, it's cool up there. <laughs> What's it like? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna find out when I crash and go to right. right I'm probably I'm going straight to hell. So you know, <laughs> I think it's gonna be a long, long ride. Um, I got my pitch for Yucca Man. Oh, he yeah. already wrote a film. <laughs> It'll give you a little highlight of what's to come in the. All script. right, so a group of hippies go out into the like Antelope Valley or like the Mojave uh, Reserve looking for like peyote kind of plants. Like, is there peyote like the, out there? I don't think there is. Is there peyote? I don't know, but we can, <clears> you know, so. pretend. So. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll find. It I finds mean, we'll, its way north. In, whatever. Wait, what if the yucca produces okay, so, something? Like and then they end, up, they end up finding like a sacred spot mm-hmm. and they all do it and they have an orgy, which, un, it, which is unintentionally... The summoning oh, for the yucca what man. What a convenience. That's like some uh, Aleister Crowley shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> and so Thelma. they have this huge orgy on like all high on like peyote or, you know, ayahuasca or something. Yeah. And then so that awakens the yucca man and he's like, he just kills all the white people in the, in the group. <laughs> he kills all the <laughs> And that's the end. That's like a, that's like a blood quantum. Yeah. Kind of. Blood quantum in the desert. Yeah. Shit. There you go. <laughs> nice. Oh no, that was um L. Ron we call Hubbard. Get Out Two. <laughs> that was L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons that went out in the desert and did weird sex stuff. Yeah. See, we're just not a part of any of the cool stuff, man. I know. We don't have any cool sex stuff. No. That's a real shame. That's all right. <laughs> Jake's like, you guys are all right. Don't worry about it. He's out there having his cool sex stuff in the desert. Doesn't want to invite us. Well, I didn't say that. I just <laughs> was reassuring you. <laughs> so yeah there's my yucca man pitch yeah that was great <laughs> hey dude stories like that fuck it it sounds like fun 
Oh yeah, it's uh you guys want to do a pause? We've been going. Sure, man. Yeah. Key break. I'll go outside. And, yeah.